What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode 18, DSA Ocho Episodo. <laughs> I don't know if that's right. Uh, what's up, everyone? Welcome. Uh, it's an exciting time to be alive here in the great United States of America. Uh, we're hopefully going to get baseball back here pretty soon, but maybe not. I don't know yet. We'll find out. But Noah, how was your week? Uh, how you doing, man? Uh, it's been good. I don't know if I necessarily would agree with it's an exciting time to live in uh, the good old U.S. of A. Yeah, that was a bad thing but, to lead off with. I kind of meant uh, in like baseball regards and stuff. There's been a lot of cool like documentaries coming out and stuff like that. But yeah, out of context, I probably should have said that. But that's okay. Yeah, that's all right. Um, you know, while we're on the topic of what's going on in the U.S. right now, happy Father's Day to everybody that's either tuning in or tell your fathers happy Father happy Father's Day from Chalk Talk Nation. I'm sure they'll appreciate that. Um, <laughs> Dude, when is the when is the Chalk Talk Nation merch gonna drop? We need a hat for you. We need a need to get a Chalk Talk Nation hat to sport. And, and yeah, I mean, if we want to make one, let let us know, people. If that's something you would actually want, <laughs> <laughs> sure, uh, we could place an order or something. So I know baseball still isn't going on in Kentucky per se, but have I know that you have been a little busy over there across the river in Ohio. You want to talk a little bit about your experience so far with good old Prep Baseball Report? Yeah, I mean, we haven't had any actual, like, events yet. So our first one's actually on Tuesday at the Florence Duall Stadium, which should be interesting. It's, like, a top prospect showcase for wow. the Kentucky prospects. And they're supposed to have, like, 75 kids there on Tuesday. So should be pretty interesting. But, I mean, there's not really been a whole lot going on so far. Today we got out. Uh, we actually went to Highlands Hills Park, which were Highlands baseball plays if you're from the area. And basically just tested some, yeah, honestly, new Highlands. But... <laughs> We, we just tested out some other equipment like I kind of talked about I think the last time we were on here about testing out like the trackman stuff a little bit and so this time we got out and we tried something out called blast basically it kind of looks at like swing path and stuff like that so you can see like the plane of like the barrel and stuff like that it's pretty cool stuff but so we get to test that out a little bit today so and it's been a lot of fun so far and hopefully once we get some events rolling it'll be even better what's your favorite tool that you've used so far that you've been able to be accustomed to with you know everyone a part of PBR I mean I, I would say that like we've only used the trackman and the blast and I would say of the two trackmans way better just because you can get pitchers you can get the spin rate um, mm -hmm. spin efficiency axis and stuff like that as well as just velocity and then but like you can also use it for hitters and then get exit velo and then projected distance and launch angle and stuff like that so the fact that it's so all-encompassing and stuff and just being able to get that feedback right away is, it's honestly been really cool to see and rightfully so i mean the trackman they just came out with the portable uh portable trackman and that's kind of what we've been using a pbr and they're like forty thousand dollar camera like oh my stuff. god so, dude that's so insane. i would hope that they would be uh pretty high tech and work pretty well so i'd hope so cool. so when i when i hear that i kind of think is it kind of like you know MLB.com where you hit the ball and you can see the line of where the ball's going. Is that what that does? Or does it kind of like just let you know the velo off the bat? Like, um, I mean, I'm not, I don't know all of the formula stuff that goes into it. My understanding is that basically it picks up the exit velo off the bat and the launch angle off the bat and okay. then projects okay. a distance based on that. So I don't know if it's necessarily going to be the exact distance because you're obviously going to have other factors like the weather and wind and stuff like that. But it'll give you a projected distance. I'm sure that you could probably set it up in a way that where if you wanted to see like the lines of when the ball comes off the bat, you could probably see that. But it definitely will give you like a scatter chart of like where on the field the ball should be landing and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. Huh. 
pretty unique, pretty unique. Well, for those who are watching the podcast live or if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that Noah and I are both sporting some Cincinnati Reds mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, shirts. It's funny how I have a San Diego Padres hat on and a red shirt. I guess I'm just representing the, the National League. And what did you say before we kind of started here, Noah, about what I was wearing? You're just trying to rep multiple teams. I don't – Well. It's something about the athletics, right? Like how I don't have to. Oh, about... yeah, that's right. So you just kind of lucked out this week because if you guys remember, if you listened a few episodes ago, we were talking about the owners not paying their players and specifically the athletics at the time. And then Rob came on the podcast sporting his athletics hat. And so it was just not a good look. So we kind of lucked out this week. There's a lot of things I do that just is not a good look. But you know what? It is what it is. I'm here for it. You know, I'm just living the dream, as they say. You know what I mean? So, uh, but. Cool, man. Uh, that's awesome. Congratulations to you once again. That's exciting. I'm happy for you. As everyone Should've. knows, Noah is obsessed with baseball, and he's he's more on the analytical side. I'm more of the, the what you see to the eye kind of kind of guy. But um, pretty cool, man. Uh, I do want to talk about something cool that's going to be coming up here in I think about three weeks or so. Perhaps it's the weekend between uh, July 10th and 12th. And this is something that'd be really cool for everyone to pitch in and kind of see. Uh, so I am joining forces with a bunch of uh, former high school friends for a weekend tournament. It's normally called the Charlie Coles Invitational. Uh, he was a Miami Red Hawks coach. Just something fun we would always do. But it's a Sandlot League, so we play baseball with a tennis ball. And we have all the kids from the neighborhood come out. And we play in someone's side yard. Like, we chalk up the, the base paths and everything. We have a net with some sponsors. Uh, parents grow out. It's going to be a little bit different, obviously, because of COVID. But it's good. we're going to get a real sense of nostalgia having everyone back in town. So, uh, for instance, Ethan Stringer, who played at the University of Louisville, uh, he's at a JUCO right now, I think, in Missouri or Kansas. I'm not completely sure off the top of my head. He'll be there. Uh, we also have uh, Mr. Baseball in Kentucky, Logan Castleman. Uh, he'll be there. Uh, he goes to Wright State. Just a lot of like good D1 college players. And then you still have former NAI, former D2 players. And then you also have high school kids that are like on the team, which is really cool, or just graduated. So you really get a good mesh of players. And it's a really cool way to bring everyone together. There's four teams. It's, uh, let me think off the top of my head, it's the Fort Mitchell Flames, the Fort Mitchell Mighty Ducks, Club Sandlot, and then the other one is the wild goops. So like wild turkey, but goop. He's he's a he is a, didn't play sports in high school or anything, but he's just he's just a goober, and uh, they call him goop. And so they named the team the wild goops. But if you guys head over to Chalk Talk Nation on Twitter, you can find out more info. Uh, so, but the big news is too though is that we're streaming the games with like a live scoreboard, live commentary. Like, we're going to have a legit camera following the action. So you're going to get a sense of a real baseball game, uh, which is really unique because we don't have that right now. We know that mm -hmm. we have the KBO and whatnot. But this is something really unique, really cool. I even reached out to uh, Fox 19 Joe, Joe Daneman, trying to get him to do a story. Didn't respond yet, but he saw it. He was kind of curious. Uh, but we got a guy from Barstool to comment on it. So it's going to be really cool. I really hope everyone can come out and, and watch and support uh, it's going to be going on for three days. It's a round robin, and then it's a double elimination, and then the championship game is played on Sunday, best of three series. So that's the big news. I know it's a lot, but uh, we'll we'll probably put. I will post an article about it. I think that'd be a really good idea, just to give more details and whatnot, and maybe 
send that out and blast to people. But yeah, man, uh, should we go ahead and talk about the topics today? What everyone is here for? Yeah, I do want to. There's a few small notes that I'm just kind of springing on you now that I just wanted to mention because it's just there's not much baseball news, so might as well get it out go there when it. it is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll start with maybe the worst news, and that's that former Cub Addison Russell signed a one-year deal with one of the KBO teams. Um, so for those of you that have been keeping up with the KBO, it's another former MLB player there. Probably not going to want to be tuning into the Kawan Heroes games from here on out because, I mean, who wants to watch that guy play? He's just not a good guy. Um Moving on to something uh, a lot better, the NPB, Japan's Baseball League, uh, actually started up this week as well. Oh, Adam so, Jones? Adam Jones? Yeah, so Adam Jones has gotten some ABs, uh, a couple other MLB guys in there as well. I think they have a restriction on their rosters to where they can only have four or five guys from former MLB or minor leagues and stuff like that. But a few names that are over there uh, that are worth watching. I think Zach Neal's a former MLB pitcher. He went out and dominated on opening day. So it's just... Another outlet, since the MLB doesn't seem to want to get the ball rolling, that's another place you can possibly go see games. And then the one other thing that I wanted to note, because I thought it was really cool on his end, is that Albert Pujols is paying the salaries of all the uh, furloughed Angel staff employees down in the Dominican Republic. I think that the total is supposed to come out to roughly 180000 over the next like five months. And one, it's also awesome that Albert Pujols is doing this. Yeah, Albert Pujols is a fantastic person mm-hmm. and you know Hall yeah. of Famer. And... But, I mean, this really shouldn't be something that he has to be doing. Like, it's only 180000 I think the Angels can uh, could probably afford to do that, considering that they're like a billion-dollar organization. But I just felt it was worth mentioning because Albert Pujols is doing something awesome, and that's not really a whole lot of awesome in the world right now, so I just figured it'd be worth talking about. No, nah, for sure. Do you know what uh, Adam Jones, what his statistics are so far? I know it's probably a small sample size. Do you know by chance? I don't know off the top of my head. Okay, well, Adam I, was, I haven't gotten a chance to watch any of the games yet. Okay, yeah, Adam Jones was one of my favorite players, man. Um, just electrifying. He was so good, and just that that play, right, in the World Baseball Classic, everyone knows mm-hmm. it. He's a baseball fan. It's monumental, and it's like that brought the hype back to the World Baseball Classic because beforehand we didn't have uh, baseball in the Olympics, and when we did, even though it was the U.S., it'd be a bunch of names that you've never heard of before, which is crazy. Um mm-hmm. Although it's what is crazy is that the Olympics are actually supposed to be going on right now, or maybe it's in July. I think it's in July, but it is what it is. Uh, so that is some good news, man. Um, you love to hear it, and like you said, Albert Pujols is such a nice guy. But kind of going back to Addison Russell, I'm going to mention him later on in this podcast. Not a big fan of him at all. Neither should anyone. If you're a Cubs fan, I guess. I understand I maybe you're going to be biased towards a former player and whatnot. But um, since we're kind of on the negative side of things, let's kind of transition over to the main event, as we should say. <laughs> Tony Clark, the president of the MLBPA, and Rob Manfred, Major League Baseball Commissioner. I just want to, I just want to say this real quick before you say anything, okay? This is a load of crap, okay? The day of the draft, Robert Manfred – Mention 100% we will have baseball in 2020. And he even said 100%. Five days later, he said, I am not 100% certain that we will have Major League Baseball in 2020. What an absolute joke, honestly. Like, what are we doing here? And then everything keeps going back and forth. And then they decided on a 60-game season. Now there's just more issues. What are your thoughts, man? I mean. Yeah, so I think if you – my my theory as to what happened with the whole Manfred saying 
it's going to be 100 percent and then like three or four days later saying well we probably won't we don't know if we're gonna have a season or not so there's kind of been this overhanging thing that the owners in mlb don't want the players to file a grievance saying that basically they should have that like the mlb intentionally didn't play as many games as they could have and i think by manfred saying 100 percent we're gonna have a season then that could have been the sticking point for the players association if they decided to file that grievance and so i think that the owners and possibly Manfred and maybe their legal team probably were like, hey, let's walk that statement back a little bit because we don't want that to come up if they do file a grievance or something like that. And that's kind of been a negotiating point as well through these uh, through the negotiations. It's kind of just been, hey, we'd really prefer it if you didn't file a grievance. But I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's a really, really bad thing and a really bad look for uh, the MLB as a whole, especially since like he went on with the uh, – I can't think of what the special was called, but I don't know if you caught it, but it was the ESPN. It was with Carl Revich. Like, it was with Carl Revich, wasn't it? Well, they had uh, they had like five different owners on from like a lot of the major sports, mm. and they were all talking about their plans to come back. And Adam Silver was talking about how they had this whole thing ironed out and that they were, you know, getting ready to go. Obviously, that's kind of fallen by the wayside a little bit with the virus, and then Kyrie kind of leading the charge as far as not wanting players to play and stuff, but. It's just it's it's not a good look when you're the only owner that goes on or only commissioner that goes on there that doesn't even have a plan for to get the sport started up again. It's just not a good look. Well, and the big issue too is that there's six to eight owners in Major League Baseball that they really just don't want to play. They don't want to have a season, and that's not good. And I don't even know what it's like for Toronto up in Canada. I know they're not most likely if there was to be a season that they would not play at their home stadiums that they would actually play at their spring training facility in Dunedin, Florida, I think is what it is for the Blue Jays. But I'm, it's still – there's a lot of speculation with, okay, Manfred, why do you not have, you know, a plan B per se to everything? You're just kind of going with the flow. And right now is not the time to go with the flow. Like you look at the NHL, you look at the NBA, even NASCAR. NASCAR is already back in action. They're the first sport to come back. I think uh, NASCAR and UFC. Um, mm-hmm. So – and UFC, you got guys sweating on each other constantly and right. all I up on each other. Right, I believe golf even came back. I yeah, thought golf, I saw yep, golf. golf as well. So. Yep, golf has came back too. It's like, what are, when are we going to figure this thing out? When are we going to hatch this out? And Jared Carabas mentioned something that was really um, a really good point. It's even if you don't want to do the full prorated salaries, if you want to pay up to 75%, well, then just own that other 25%. In, a, in further seasons, kind of like Bryce Harper's contract, where I think it's $200 million till um, his 13th, 12th or 13th year, and then afterwards he'll still get paid. Basically like a Bobby Bonilla type thing. Um, but, I mean, it, it makes sense. You know, you pay 25% maybe next year when you get that revenue all back from the fans being in the seats, you know. Um, but it's like, what what does Major League Baseball do from here on out? What do they do? Are they going to play? Are they not going to play for me? I just don't see it. I really just don't because – we're starting to see another spike of coronavirus cases, and it's like, oh, what's next? Because as soon as a deal was about to be done, it seemed like, boom, spikes came up, and there's different MLB camps with guys that have uh, gotten the coronavirus. I think it's interesting that they're not stating who. I wish they would, but what do you think, man? Well, I mean, I don't necessarily think that they should just come out and say who has it. I mean, that's kind of their personal health information. You don't really need to give that information publicly. But yeah, why? You didn't but why that, though? I, but why? I mean, like they did it with the Yankees. They said, "Oh, Yankees minor leaguers." Like at least that. At least the team. They did. Something. I mean, they said five Phillies and one Blue Jay player. That's oh. come out. Okay, never mind. My bad. I'm just uncultured. I don't pay attention to the news. My bad. But but yeah. So basically, 
on, on that, uh, uh, they mentioned that they're going to, the MLB is going to close spring training sites in Arizona and Florida and do a, a deep cleaning. And then they're not going to let players and staff back in until they pass a COVID test. But to kind of give, I guess, like a update as to where we are today, because there's a, kind of a lot that was supposed to go on today as far as negotiations. Uh, the players were supposed to uh, vote on whether they wanted to accept the 60-game season or to allow Manfred to impose whatever season he wants to impose. Uh, this is after the MLB kind of refused the 70-game offer that the Players Association made. And then it actually ended up happening that the vote didn't happen today, partially due to the outbreak with the whole in Florida and the training facilities being shut down, and then partially because of a letter that Manfred sent to the Players Association uh, so basically, he said that if they, if they don't play a full season in 2020, then they'll cancel the expanded playoffs and the universal DH for 2021. This is kind of the olive branch, if you will, to get to a deal. Basically, the Player Association has been against the playoff expansion and against the universal DH. And so if they cave on that and let those things happen, then that kind of weakens their bargaining power going into the collective bargaining agreement uh, negotiations in 2021. But then he also said in the letter, I really believe we're fighting over an impossibility on games uh, because of the re need to relocate, relocate teams in Florida. The earliest players could report is June 29th, leaving 66 days to play 60 games. And part of the sticking point with that is that the MLB is just incredibly adamant that they're not going to go into October and November with games. Uh, like, why, though? <clears throat> well, they I, want to... I don't get that. Like, they should. I mean... Well, the, the owners feel like the majority of their revenue from this season is going to come from the playoffs, which is why they want the expanded playoffs, because the more teams that are in there, the more playoff games there are to be televised with advertising, and that's the more revenue that There's they're going to get. There's 16 teams proposed, right? Right, yeah, that's the that's most recent proposal that I've seen. And so basically they don't want to cut into that, and so they're not willing to go into October and November, which is, you know, it sucks, but it is what it is. And, I'm, you know, I'm kind of with you that I'm not sure that I see a season happening because of what we're already seeing with five Phillies and a Blue Jay player already getting infected now. Florida is pretty much going up in flames at this point uh, as far as uh, COVID goes. And I just... I feel like one person's going to get it and then they're just going to have to shut the whole thing down. I think, honestly, and this is in hindsight because we've been able to see how everything's played out, the MLB might have just been better off back in March just saying, you know, we take the health of our players and staff very seriously and in order to, you know, be as healthy as possible, we're just not going to have a season this year. We'll see in 2021. And, you know, as much as that would have sucked hearing about at the time, you know, we wouldn't have had all of these negotiations that's kind of just put a really bad look on the MLB. Yeah, and the thing is, too, if you have multiple people get COVID, right, let's say multiple people, players, staff, personnel, it's okay. A lot of people don't understand that, okay, yes, you have your players, they're young or maybe early 30s and stuff like that, but you have to think of the staff, um, especially the coaching staff. A lot of the coaches are – older than 60 or at that age and so that's something that we have to keep in consideration if one person gets sick then they're more uh, liable to get their manager other personnel sick as well and it's it's June 21st right now even if you were to get COVID today as a player it's a two-week incubation period at least and everyone recovers differently then we're already looking at July just before we can even 
think about opening a facility and then you have to have spring training basically summer training all over again it just it, it just doesn't seem feasible to me that there's going to be a season as much as it's as much as it sucks to say um it's just it's just back and forth I just wonder what Tony Clark's going to come back with with the players you know it's like 70 games 60 games why like I guess I know there's extra money to be made but it's 10 games why could there not be just a deal set in stone that can be good you know what I mean it's just I don't know yeah well, that's the other thing too, is that the players were fighting for seventy games, and with man, what well, with what Manfred said in the uh, letter that he wrote to the player association today about sixty six days to play seventy games, that means it's pretty much mathematically impossible for them to even play seventy games at this point with the stance that the MLB is taking. And so, I mean, at this point, that's pretty much off the table. Sixty games and or in sixty six days is also pretty un- unfeasible because you're going to need off days and stuff like that. So honestly. If they get something done, it's looking like it's going to be like 50 games, kind of like what we were before. Yeah, and it's, it's going to have to be because it's just going to keep getting delayed. But the thing is, and here's – I know it's going to happen. It just seems like it. Okay, we're getting close to like where we could consider, right? Like, okay, we're going to open spring training facilities, and then boom, there's that second really big wave. And then we're just like, you know what? This season's a wash. Let's go back. But I'll talk a little bit about more of, this, of the season here in a little bit too, but – um you have anything else, man? Yeah, there's one final thing that I just want to say keep an eye out on. I saw it on Twitter, but I'm not sure what the original source for it, for it was because I saw it on like one of those like fan account things, so I'm mm-hmm. not sure the actual legitimacy of it. But I saw somewhere that the MLB had extended the offer for players that either are more susceptible to getting it if they have some sort of prior health condition or if their like, wives are pregnant that they can opt out of the season and still receive whatever the prorated pay ends up being. Um, I don't know necessarily who that affects for every team. I know specifically for the Reds, Eugenio Suarez and Tucker Barnhart, both their wives are pregnant currently. And so I think about when you look at that kind of stuff, and I'm sure that that you could probably pick one or two guys from almost every team that are probably in that situation. Uh, It would definitely create a pretty different looking landscape if guys like that decide to opt out. And that's the other thing too and it's true you know a lot of fans and whatnot we just view players as an item like hey you know get us wins and whatnot but these are real people that have to go out there and risk themselves getting sick and potentially their family sick you know and a lot of people just don't even want to do this players because they'll have to be separated again and they'll have to go to arizona or florida live in hotels and whatnot it's just a big nightmare and that could definitely be interesting to see because there might be a sneaky team. The The real upside about this, though, and why I, I do hope there's a season with expanded playoffs is for the uh, for the hope of seeing Mike Trout in the playoffs because I've only seen him once, and I think they got swept. I think it was like in 2012. It was in the early uh, 2010s. Um, but it's just, it's just a wash, man. It's just insane. Yeah, I would agree. Um, okay, but, you know, it, it just – Everything's kind of just been like a wash, everything. Everything's kind of been gone, and it's it's just not going to be um, easy to kind of come back and whatnot. Hopefully the owners and Manfred and Clark can come up with something. But uh, it just seems like it's long gone. But when we talk about long gone, we got long gone summer, which is kind of ironic. Good name for our next talking point. 
where it's Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. And I guess you could kind of dabble in King Griffey Jr. as well. I felt like they kind of disrespected the kid a little bit. I mean, the kid fell off. I don't I, I know, but, I mean, come on. Come on. But um, what are your initial uh, thoughts? What are your initial thoughts of the doc? I mean, I thought it was really good. Now, maybe that's just because I'm starved for baseball content. Because I actually <laughs> uh, went on the internet and was looking at, like, reviews of it. And, like, what just to see what the general public's, like, how well they took to it. Did they like it? Did they not like it? And the overwhelming majority of the reviews that I read, people did not like the documentary. Really? Or they thought it was just okay, but really not that good. I thought it was tremendous. And, I know. I thought it was really good, too. But... I think a lot of that is just because they spent a lot of time. I mean, they really spent like an hour and 40 minutes of the two hours talking about the home run race itself. And then they only spent 10 minutes talking about the cheating and the steroids and stuff like that. And I think that that kind of rubbed people the wrong way because a lot of people don't feel like the, you know, it's that legitimate. And so I, I think that that's kind of where the snag was in terms of people not liking it. But how did you feel about it? Um, I really liked it. Now from a cinematography standpoint, it, killed me and it drove me nuts how they would you know take current footage and try to make it seem like it was from like 1998 i'm like i literally see a flat screen with the modern espn it's like i understand because of the covid and stuff like that but don't don't do that like you're you're taking i saw someone with like a yadier merlina jersey on well, you could see shots of, like, the new scoreboard at Wrigley in the background of, like, yeah. some of the crowd shots that they have. I mean, it's like you're telling me you can't find any footage. Like, we just saw the Michael uh, Jordan, the, the Last Dance documentary. Everything was from the 90s and everything. Like, I right. get, I understand it's hard, but don't don't try and trick us to think that that's old footage. That drove me nuts. That made me more mad than them just talking about steroids for 10 minutes. But um, I think Bob Costas made a really good point, though. I'm going to talk about the steroid point uh, real quick before we continue talking about the documentary. He said in the documentary that, you know, there's people in society that do worse things, right? Because, you know, it's just the outside world and everything like that. But if you do steroids in baseball, it's like, oh, well, how dare you taint the game? How dare you do this and that? Look at Addison Russell. That's what, I'm, like, Addison Russell, right? Mm-hmm. He had the domestic charge and whatnot. People are still like, oh, he's a Cubby. You know, he's a good player. You know, it's okay. Like, nobody ever talks about it. The media really well, doesn't. Well, here's, I'll, I'll say this. Addison Russell's probably not the best example because he does get a lot of hate. But if you want a better player to use, <laughs> Felipe Vasquez. Or... Okay, that's not where I was going to I would say Pete Rose because the, mm-hmm. uh, the whole sleeping with, like, a 16-year-old kind of gets swept under the rug and, you know, hit king you know forty one ninety two. he's he's the best exactly and, i mean he's not a good guy <laughs> and that's the thing when you talk about pete rose what do you talk about oh you talk about the gambling and like how he got banned from baseball right but no one ever talks about that you know and same with felipe vasquez why is that wiped under the rug we know he's not in baseball right now but like why is no one talking about that you know you're only seeing certain articles for a certain amount of time and that's why it, it makes me so mad and and ill-minded the fact that Oh, okay, great. Addison Russell signed with the KBO. I do not care. And I know they're doing that because it's going to provoke emotions and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I kind of see where Bob Costas is coming from, though, and Mark McGuire. You know, think about in the 90s, that's definitely a steroid era. And, um, you know, Kyle makes a great point in our comments here in the live podcast. But, you know, it's kind of the norm. You see one person doing it, it's like a domino effect. You know, then you're going to be like, oh, okay, if everyone's doing it, I'm going to do it. And it's not like Mark McGuire went to to hide the the Adrosinodion or whatever, the over-the-counter uh, medicine that was used to help bulk and whatnot. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it, it, it was normal to everyone, it seemed like, and like that it was acceptable. And Bud Selig didn't do a good job of washing that. You know what I mean? He just kind of right. let it go under the rug. And so I try to think of my, I try to put myself in Mark McGuire's shoes. You think of him, guys like Jose Canseco, um, who else was mentioned? Sammy Sosa, obviously. And um, oh, who's the other one? Barry Bonds, even. These are guys that really didn't even necessarily need the steroids, you know, for the power. We know that they still had power, but also they said, oh, well, it's for recovery use. Okay, well, maybe it is. But then, like, that's your primary use. But then the secondary benefits, you get that. It's like, oh, well, I mean, mm. I guess it does help me, too. I mean, why not? You know, it's. I think it's more people don't understand. It's like automatically steroids, you're cheating and stuff like that. But think of the seasons Mark McGuire put up his rookie year. Rookie year, he matched like 39, 40 home runs, one rookie of the year. I highly doubt that he was on steroids his rookie year of Major League Baseball. Like this is a guy who yeah. could still do it and everything. Same with Sammy Sosa. And um, I know it's kind of wiped under the rug, but it's like, you know, there's still people too. And um, with what Kyle said in our comments – he said steroid boys should go in with their own corner in the Hall of Fame. And I agree because, like, I mean, you have Mark McGuire in the Cardinals Hall of Fame. I, I do think Mark McGuire belongs in the Hall of Fame, and that's I'll argue that till the day I die. But what do you think, man? I mean, I, I'm, I would say that Mark McGuire is probably a French Hall of Famer. Steroids are not just because, I mean, he only put up 60-something career war, which is below the average Hall of Famer. But – I think with guys like Harold Baines in the Hall of Fame, then a guy like McGuire should definitely be in. And then when you look at the guy, what the case is for like Sammy Sosa and like Barry Bonds, those guys are mm -hmm. surefire Hall of Famers if you take away the steroid fact. And in fact, Barry Bonds, I don't know if you saw this, Jared Carabas was tweeting about it earlier. Uh, I guess it was a day or two ago now. But talking about Barry Bonds' Hall of Fame case, and they said before the 2001 season, which is where he set the single season record with 73 home runs, where people really started accusing him of the whole steroid thing. He had 111.4 for his uh, career war. And the average war for a Hall of Fame position player for their entire careers is a very nice number of 69 even. So yeah. at that point, like, you know, he's 50, or I'm sorry, not 50, but 40 point, 42 war ahead of the average Hall of Famer before that season. And then, you know, and people were replying to him in comments and we're talking about, well, he could have doped before that. And so then he kind of pulled up the before age 30 season, which would have been his or end of age 30 season, which would have been after 95 when he was still a skinny dude. And like, it didn't look like he was taking steroids or bulking up or anything like that. And he still had 74 war at that point, which is, yeah. which is three more war than Jeter had for his entire 20 year career. And he, he was like a vote away from being a unanimous hall of famer. And so it's just like, when you look at guys like that, like it's just they're Hall of Famers anyways. Maybe you can make a case more so for Sosa and McGuire saying that that really helped them because the prime of their career was in the middle of the steroid eras. But when you look at a guy like Bonds even, like the dude was a Hall of Famer surefire before it. So I think guys like that should be in the Hall of Fame, especially because I think it really – it helped the game and it saved the game, honestly. I mean – That's the other point I was going to bring up, yeah. That we'll see in the future – because that's what I was thinking about watching the documentary was how they, they went in the strike in 94. Dude, and it's kind of like, yes, you know, you brought it in right 98, up. They, they saved the season with this storyline of everyone wants to see who's, if they're going to break Maris's record. Are they, how many are they going to hit? Who's going to end up with the most home runs? And it really brought people back to the game. And that's kind of where we are now with COVID because, you know, there's these negotiations uh, going on between players and the, <laughs> the MLB 
and uh, what is that comment? Yeah, I don't know, but it's just I I think it'll be interesting to see a few years from now in the future what storyline kind of brings you know the MLB back, even if there is one. Honestly, I mean, who knows? Yeah, well, that's that's the thing, right? It's like. I was going to bring that up too. You had the strike in 94. The season was cut short towards the end of the season. And that was the year where inevitably the Montreal Expos were supposed to win. They were the favorites to win the World Series that year. They had the best record. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. And this year looks like it's just a complete wash. So this is going to be a – so the difference with the strike is we already know the Players Association and the owners right now, they cannot come to an agreement. But the players' strike in '94 that was towards the end of the season, so they they already played a majority of their season, and you have to see how many fans were already brought away from the game, right? Right. And this was this was before football was even more um, invested, like in pop culture and NBA. Now MLB, it seems like they have to find a way. We're already talking about having to market themselves better and whatnot, and then you have this, and NFL already has plans, you know, NBA, NHL. MLB still doesn't even have plans to come back. Why would fans even want to give them the time of day? And the average age of viewership is increasing every single year. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna need a good storyline to come back. And the the first thing I can think of, if I kind of can think of like similar uh, concepts with McGuire and Sosa, let's say there's no baseball this year and they can't come to an agreement in 2021. Okay, well 2022, well. In 2019, you have um, Rookie of the Year, Pete Alonzo, who mashed, what, over 50 home runs. How cool would it be to see um, Alonzo and Aaron Judge going head-to-head, you know, the Battle of New York City for most home runs in Major League Baseball? Because I think those are two guys that have a potential to um, set a new record, perhaps. And I think it would be really cool to see that. Um, But that's the thing. What's going to be the new storyline? Yeah, and part of what sucks about getting back so late in with, with this season, if we get back at all, is that I honestly think that the whole cheating scandal with the Astros had enough legs to it that it kind of could have started that uh, bringing people back after this whole COVID thing. Uh, I mean, you look at in the offseason before all this COVID stuff hit, you know, the Astros cheating news got announced right in between the NFL, like the championship mm-hmm. series games and the actual Super Bowl. And the week leading up to the Super Bowl, nobody was talking about the Super Bowl. Everybody was talking about, you know, the whole Astros and F the Astros and the Astros are the worst. And and, and I think that that had enough to it to where that's going to carry in, into the season, even though it's been delayed, you know, by a few months now at this point. And, and I think that there's still going to be tracings of that in 2021 if we get there and we do play a full season. But I don't think that the effects are going to be as strong as they would have been had we been able to play something this year. Yeah, I, and, and I agree with you. And uh, kind of going back to the documentary, you know, I thought it was tremendous how like they really like you felt like you were almost a fan watching the games in St. Louis and in Chicago with how. Uh, McGuire was, you know, standing out at first base and he visibly saw the number change with Sosa jumped him with like three games to go in the season. I actually actually got goosebumps when, um, you know, he was like talking about, uh, yeah, it kind of did motivate me a little bit. Maybe, you know, it's like, oh, you know, he Mm -hmm. is, he's just so introvert. He doesn't want to admit it like completely, but just imagine standing there in first base, like you already, you already set Maris's record and like Sosa was like four home runs behind you. There's only three days left. And then the dude just, Sammy Sosa just goes off. And then you're just like, 
crap. <laughs> it's like you have to win the record, right? Like how like they made a big deal about it, you know, he had probably right. like a 30-minute celebration on the field in the middle of a game. And um, now Sosa's going to come to spoil your party to actually get the most home runs out of the year. Right. I thought it was kind of funny, too, how they had <laughs> the uh, um, the pitcher Trasco or whatever. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I just wasn't happy. I'm like, well, <laughs> obviously, you have to sit there and yeah. let everyone absorb it. And you're going to be forever known as the guy to give up that home run. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the way you talk about today's <laughs> game where a dude like Derek Dietrich hits a ball into the river and stares at it for 30 seconds and how mad the Pirates pitching staff got about that. Think about how mad this dude would have been because that's basically like a 30-minute pimp job because you're <laughs> lapping around the field. Hugging Sammy Sosa. Everyone else is celebrating except for the pitcher. Like the catcher even daps him up, gives him a hug. It's like, right. can I can, – I'm just rubbing the ball. Like, I'm just trying to get this mud ready. Like, can we Can we go? Can we get this thing rolling? Congratulations. Like, Yeah. I don't know. It definitely – I think it would have been really funny had and, – and obviously I don't condone throwing at hitters, but it would have been kind of funny if they, they showed the next time up and Mark McGuire gets beaned for celebrating for 30 minutes. I feel like that just would have been really on par with where the MLB is these days. Well, here's the thing. I would rather – I would rather give up Barry Bonds' 762nd home run – or no, sorry, 756 because we know he finished with 762. I would rather give up Barry Bonds' 756, like his home run – instead of Mark McGuire's, you know, 62nd, because, mm -hmm. you know, Barry Bonds, that's over a complete career, right? It's like, okay, right. like, dude, this is actually really cool, like, awesome, like, dude, yeah, I'm gonna dap you up, like, this is cool, like, you're a future Hall of Famer, and this is before, you know, he's basically banned from baseball, or kind of, in a way, the Hall of Fame, but then, one of the most dominant seasons, just an absolute workhorse. And the storyline came out with how he's taken, you know, Andrew Stestadone or whatever. And he just, the shortest home run he hit all year was like a liner just right over the left field wall. And that's a 30 minute celebration. And you're just like, yep. okay. <laughs> it's just, it's just really funny to me. It's just really funny to me. But I think it's funny though. Um, how see here's the reason why I think Mark McGuire should be in the Hall of Fame. They didn't uh, really ban uh, Andro Stenadion or whatever I don't even know how to pronounce it the over the counter drug until 2005 when it went into effect in the United States called the Anabolic Steroid Control Act of 2004. And so mm -hmm. at this point, McGuire retired in 2001. So. And he came back in 2010 to say, oh, yes, I did use steroids. But, like, it wasn't proved when and where. He just said he did, and, like, it was for right. recovery. How can you really say, like, oh, we can't put him in the Hall of Fame and whatnot? Like, you still have to make contact with the ball. And his plane of his swing was so natural already as it is. Like, the ball's going to yeah. travel. I mean, I – Well, it's just – it's really – it's it's crazy because – like steroids themselves, not necessarily the over-the-counter stuff, but steroids just themselves were banned from baseball in 1991. And then the league didn't even begin testing for steroids until 2003. And so it's like, right. you, how, how illegal are they really if you're not even going to bother testing for it? Which, I mean, and the documentary touched on a little bit, but I think that they probably didn't go at Bud Selig enough in the documentary because, I mean, he just kind of let this stuff slide under he the did. radar. Yeah. And but, I, mean, I think one of the things that's been interesting about uh, the whole steroid scandal and stuff is how far baseball has kind of flipped the other way now. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I was listening to, and I don't know if you listened to it or if you saw that it even exists, but basically 
Watch Momentum, Trevor Bowers, uh, you know, media channel or whatever, started a new podcast with Rachel Luba that's his uh, agent. agent, and then Jessica Kleinschmidt, who covers the A's. And then basically they started a new podcast, and this in their first episode they were kind of talking about uh, the steroid usage and, like, what that kind of looks like today. Because they pre-recorded their episodes, and so this was back when Emmanuel Clase got busted for 80 games and so they're talking about that and i guess that it's to the point now where since the players want tested so often and with the random drug tests and stuff like that that they legitimately have to have an app on their phone that's updated with their location within like 24 hours of wherever they are so like if a guy is in la and his app says he's in la and then he goes on vacation to the dominican republic or something and doesn't upload that he's gone to the dominican republic and then they send a random tester out and he's not there, then they automatically count that as being testing positive for steroids. And then you have to go fight it and file like a grievance. So it's pretty crazy to think that like Bud Selig let it go for 12 years. And then now it's like the MLB has to know where you are at all times within like a 24 hour time period. Jeez. Well, it's kind of like too, if you remember the story was trying to press about Mike Trout using HGH, remember? Mm -hmm. I don't know mm. if that was last year or two years ago. That but... was earlier this year, actually. Was it? Okay. Yeah, I... that's how that's how slowly time or time is moving. That that was this year. <laughs> yeah, because like think of how tainted you know everyone's vision of Mike Trout could be, and like listen, we all saw Mike Trout when he was a rookie anyway. Like, let's be honest here, <laughs> generational talent. This guy's a five tool player, um, but it's like. Where are you going to find a happy medium or something? Where are we going to meet halfway with this? Uh, but I think we talked a lot about McGuire. Why don't we talk about a little bit about Sammy Sosa in the documentary? Dude, I never realized, first of all, like, you know how you grow up and, like, you would do games like, oh, guess what batting stance I'm doing? Mm-hmm. For me, it was always Jeff Bagwell and Sammy Sosa. You know, Sammy Sosa just constantly doing this and stuff. Like, right. that's the first thing I thought about. But, dude, I never knew how much swag Sosa had, to be honest with you. And oh, yeah, he's a baller. Very charismatic. Kind of reminds me of Ronald Acuna Jr., to be honest with you. Um, just, like, happy to be there, right? And they, they kind mm-hmm. of mentioned that, how he's kind of the happy-go-lucky, charismatic, you know, he's a shoe shiner and comes to the States and whatnot and just, just balls. Um, I think it was kind of funny, though, how he was traded for Harold Baines. That was yeah. pretty funny. <laughs> um, but what did you think about Sammy Sosa in the documentary? It was, it was interesting – I think just that they actually got him and were able to do this documentary. So this has kind of been a guy that's dodged the media pretty much since he's been out of the game, mostly because every time that the media contacts him about talking about something, all it is is just, did you use steroids? And they just kind of pound that over and over again. And it's something that he's already said. He said he didn't do, and he's not talking about it anymore. And so I was kind of interested when this got announced. I was like, oh, they actually got Sammy Sosa to do a documentary. And then I was kind of wondering how much of Sammy Sosa was actually going to be in it because I know that he has the reputation for not wanting to be in that stuff. But so I think it was kind of cool because I grew up, you know, Sammy Sosa was pretty much out of the game at that point. And so it was kind of cool to see that where he was a guy that, you know, he was a staple of the 90s for baseball. And so it was kind of cool, you know, getting to see him. And the same thing for McGuire, honestly, just in this documentary, because this isn't something Mm -hmm. that I or you were around for. And so it's just kind of cool to see and get to know the guys more on like a personal level instead of just, you know, knowing that they hit 70 and 66 home runs. Yeah. And that really is absurd. Like that's a crazy amount, you know, just even getting to 60 is insane. 
and I just thought it was cool. I was thinking about the whole movie, 61, the entire time, you know, between Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris' teammates, though, going after Babe Ruth's record. But now it's like you have just two guys, one very introverted, and um, right. then you have the other guy, Sammy Sosa from the Dominican Republic, and it's just like just the entire season, that's the storyline, you know. And Mark mm-hmm. McGuire never wanted to be the face of the franchise kind of guy. Um, it, it's just – it's insane, man. It's insane. And I thought it was – well made. Um, I'm kind of glad they didn't go crazy in detail about steroid because it would have like hindered just the whole ideology of what the documentary was made for. You know, it's about right. the positive season of 1998 and how it right. came and about. what it did for the game. Yeah, because it really did bring baseball back. Because um, it's hard, man. That when you have a strike and even now, like I haven't even played MLB the show. I uninstalled the game and. It's just hard for me to even get into baseball right now. But I know there's a documentary coming out tonight uh, with Ken Griffey Jr. and his dad. That is going to be sweet. I think it's just about Ken Griffey uh, Jr., but it's coming out on Father's Day. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be really cool. They're really coming out. I hope they keep hammering out some documentaries and whatnot. Um, it's kind of what we need, I guess. But, geez, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it really is. But... Do you have anything else you want to talk about at all? Or? I mean, I'll just leave with one one final thought, and that's that Roger Maris still has the most home runs in a season where you don't have to testify in court about it afterwards, and that's just what I'm going to leave you with. Yeah, that's the thing, too. It's like 154 games, then you play 162 games. Like, baseball is ever forever changing. Right. Well, you think it. about, honestly, it kind of seems like he's gotten the most flack out of all of the home run race guys because – I mean, we've kind of moved on with the whole McGuire and Sosa and Barry Bonds, but Ford Frick had an asterisk next to Maris's name for how long? I mean, <laughs> it's like, geez, just respect the man. Like, come on. And back then, those ballparks were pretty huge. Yeah. So I guess we'll leave it on that. But um, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, be sure to subscribe. I believe it's free on our website, ChalkTalkNation.com. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Chalk Talk Nation, same as iHeartRadio. I hardly doubt anyone uses that, though. Um, but we do live podcasts every Sunday night, 6 p.m. Eastern time on our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv backslash Chalk Talk Nation. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode. We'll be back next week for episode 19. So uh, take care, and we'll see you soon. You love the Sammy Sosa exit. <laughs>